Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, I'm Tim Priester, and you are listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. It's Monday, August 21st, and I know it sounds early, but Nordane's playing a football game in August coming up here at the end of the week. Nordane travels to Dublin on Wednesday. We'll all be heading out at that time as well as Nordane takes on the Naval Academy. We met with Marcus Freeman today for 30 minutes, and I think we, we were talking about previewing the season here today, but I think there's so much meat on the bone with what we discussed with Marcus Freeman. We're going to pop right into that if you want to read our uh, uh my and and tim o'malley's and john bryce's predictions game by game you can find that on irishillustrated.com but it's official pat coogan is the starting left guard rocco spindler is the starting right guard jabron Payne is the number two running back tim were there any other surprise i don't think there are any other surprises on the depth chart that notre dame released uh, right before marcus freeman addressed the media no, we kind of touched on it. There's plenty of surprises if this was June 15th, but none if it's August. You know, we we the writing on the wall for Spindler has been there since week one, Coogan week two and a half, probably. I know there were some other auditions or evaluations going through. And Jabron Payne wrote a story about it last week or when we spoke with him. I mean, if he was ranked something different or had a different name, everybody in the world would think he was the number two running back because the coach tells you that, the position coach tells you that, and all the players talk about it, and we see him lining up there all the time. So... I do think, um, and I don't want to steal Pete's words here on Jabron Payne, but I'm going to anyway, Pete, because I know how you feel. I think he had a better camp, is more consistent, and that is what they are leaning into. Marcus Freeman kind of mentioned that, and this will not just be like the Audric Estime gets 20 carries, Jabron Payne gets 12, and everybody else gets one. This is uh, going to be an evolving backfield, and I get that Payne is the versatile guy right now. And I think that, you know, the depth chart, I'm not entirely clear whether he is the number two back or it's just a four-way tie for second, the way well, the it's way listed. they worded it, yeah, it's kind of interesting. Because if you look at receiver, Matt Salerno would be an or by himself if he's not or with the guy above him, which would lead you to believe that Javon Payne, Jadarian Price, Devin Ford, and Jeremiah Love are actually all bunched together. CP, um, you still don't believe it. You're still denying it. <laughs> I just I just try to logically read where the ors fit. Um, because if you had an or on Jabron Payne's line, that would imply that he that Audric Estime is in uh this five-way tie for RB1, well, which we know is crazy and not true. Yeah, well, I mean, truth be told, we like Audric Estime is the best running back, and we think that Jadarian Price and, and Devin Ford are next, right? I mean, I, I yeah, think- it's uh this will be a fun because this will be a game in theory where they get to sort of stretch their depth at running back and you know, we're gonna do preview it later, but like how many, how many carries, who gets the most carries among Payne, Price, and Ford? I guess this this game Payne, but that's not the question. The question is who gets the most carries when they play NC State. Yeah, I think that may be Price, yeah. Ford, and Payne after that. Yep. And I don't, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that he Pete there, uh, Tim, that he necessarily gets the most carries this game. If it if you know they they sub in one of the other guys and he has a big series. You know, maybe within the course of the game, it, it changes a little bit. Whatever. They've got five good running backs. 
they've they've determined Dela McCullough has determined that Jabron Payne has been the most consistent uh, assignment. Correct. We heard a lot of good things about his pass blocking, which which comes into play, especially when you're when you have to protect Sam Hartman, who is the the heartbeat of this offense going into the season. So, uh, I mean, I think it's all a good situation. You got five good ones. You know, Jeremiah Love is going to be a really good one. Uh, maybe more important, Zeke Corral is going to uh, practice today. And, um, you know, it's Monday. They're a little bit ahead of schedule the way because they're going to Ireland. And the way the week breaks, they're a little bit ahead of schedule here as opposed to a typical Monday. And so Zeke Corral is going to give it a shot today. But I would imagine he'll be in the starting lineup on Saturday when uh, the game kicks off at 2.30 Eastern time, 7.30 it is Irish Standard Time, as a matter of fact. I don't know if I mentioned that the other day, but it is actually listed as Irish Standard Time when the when the two teams kick off. But uh, you know, I brought up the defensive line. I mentioned this in the instant analysis as a reporter. You never say, "Coach, are you surprised at something?" So I clearly said, "I'm not asking you to tell me if you're surprised about the depth and the performance of the defensive line in the preseason." And then Marcus Freeman said, "You know what? I am surprised." Yeah, I think it's a good. I mean, how uh, Brian Kelly would never be surprised about anything. He had all the answers before we we asked them. But that that was my two big surprises of camp were the fact that the running back room outside of Audrey Estime is a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and Jason Anye and Gabriel Rubio look more like. 1A players at defensive tackle than number two. Um, you know, that's those are surprises in the best possible way for Notre Dame. So I think that's the fact that Marcus Freeman confirmed that um, maybe makes us think that we know something about what we're watching. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that having the key is that they have the eight, really the nine. Um, I believe they think Burnham is a ninth now, or, or if not Burnham, then. Junior Tui Halamaka is a ninth that they can trust nine guys there. Brings up an interesting point. I feel like they trust four linebackers, and then Bowen and Osbury will work their way into that. And you're looking at 10 defensive backs. That is about 23, 24 guys they can rotate defensively because there's 10 defensive backs. There's oh, five safeties oh, yeah, and five that's, corners. Yeah. That's a legit 10 defensive backs that can play, yeah. I, I, that's I, That's my takeaway from camp is it's not just – Marcus Freeman saying we want a one A and a one B and we want this, we want that. I mean, I really think all those guys can play. And I I mean I think Drake Bowen and Jaden Osbury are gonna be excellent football players. I just assume that right now Norton would be in trouble if they had to start against NC State. Oh yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. true for sure. But I mean, yeah, when's the last time Notre Dame had a a, a two deep at nickel? <laughs> yeah, actually, no, yeah, you're not even sure who's gonna like I mean, you're just trying to get one sometimes. Right. It's usually you don't get one. And I know they like Donovan Heinish, and he's the fifth interior defensive lineman. We didn't even mention him. But, yeah, they've built depth, and that was all part of Marcus Freeman's message as soon as he started his press conference day. He talked about the three goals of the preseason, build depth, have a physical camp but stay healthy, and then increase the leadership. Well, they've clearly built depth. They did – we saw – we we know it was a physical preseason camp, and they stayed healthy, just two injuries, and it's – Kevin Bauman and Aiden Gobira having season-ending ACL surgery. And we've known about yeah. that for a while. Like that's that's yeah, old. right. Exactly. And yeah, that yeah, they were hurt a while back. Uh Michael Carmody, 
uh, suffered a hand injury and and had surgery. Do you say had surgery on that? Yeah, yeah he had, he had surgery. surgery. Mm-hmm. But the increase of leadership, I thought, was an interesting one that he wanted to try to bring out the leaders in the team. And so throughout the preseason, all the seniors had an opportunity to address the team in some fashion. I'm sure not every one of them went as smoothly as you would like as a coach, but the the, it, the it's the thought that counts truly in that situation. And then when they voted for captains. And they settled upon four, Sam Hartman and Joe Alt and J.D. Bertrand and Cam Hart. There were 10 players that drew double-digit votes in, in the uh, – and I, and I don't know how deep they – like, do they ask them to vote for four guys? Or Probably three, three guys or two or three guys. guys. Yeah. yeah. You know, and there's a lot of players. But, again, point taken. I, I, yeah, I, I think we all came away from preseason camp saying – this is a better team than we anticipated, and that was reflected by what Marcus Freeman he didn't he didn't say it in those terms, but I no, but I right, think that that right. was reflected by a lot of the things that Marcus Freeman said. I thought that you know, the the captaincy part with the ten guys getting double digit votes is like I always felt like like the captains are important, but you really need like sort of a captain of each position group, and that that can't just be the oldest guy or the guy who's been just here for a while. Um, it has to be somebody with some like actual leadership ability. And it seems like, you know, like at receiver Jaden Thomas, I would trust him to sort of lead that group. Um, obviously, you know, milk Vincent at among the specialists. So I feel like they've got guys in different pockets around the locker room and around mm-hmm. the roster that, that could be a significant thing as as the season unfolds, um, you know, because you need you need more than just those four guys to to pull everybody forward. Yeah, I, I think the veteran defensive angle is something. Um, you say you need somebody in every room. There's three in the linebacker room. There's two to three, two and a half in the safeties room. There's two and a half. There, there's three in the cornerbacks room. It's ridiculous. It's amazing, really. This is this is kind of goes back to my Al Golden second year in the system. They should have a good year defensively. They they should have it absolutely. They're 23 deep in terms of guys that can play now. They should be able to develop two or three more over the course of the year when you take Bowen Osbury and, you know, some, another wild card into play. There's leaders everywhere other than having the natural born pass rusher. <laughs> and they might be better at it than we think with Botello and JJB. They, there's most pieces are in place here. I know, Pete, you mentioned last week safeties now. We're at least like, oh, okay, good. All right. They're fine. You know, not as bad. And I agree. I'm not going above that, but I think that's okay. I think solid safeties are okay with great corners and really good linebackers. I think it works yeah. out pretty well. Functional, uh, they have functional safety play. Yep. They need more than functional pass rush at the right. end position. Yeah. If they get that, I think this defense will be way better than what people think. And I already think it's going to be a lot better than what people think. But the the a, a natural pass rusher, if you could just plop one in there, like it would be close to a complete defense. I would agree with that. And they need to prove that they can rush the passer. Now, not everything is peaches and cream. And I thought that there was a comment. Marcus Freeman was asked about the chemistry between Sam Hartman and the wide receivers. And he said, yes, but he also mentioned that it's a bumpy road. And that's, that's what we expect because, you know, two, two of the more talented receivers in Colsey and, and Merriweather haven't, haven't quite uh, evolved to the level that you would like. Um, there's a guy I want to talk about at receiver in the second segment, and I'll, I'll wait for that commentary to to tie it to a question. But, um, you know, also Marcus Freeman talked about giving Parker an unscripted opportunity in practice 
to call plays. And, and this is nobody has more pressure on him than Jared Parker. I, I mean, I can't. You, you want to talk about being scrutinized? The first time they have back-to-back three and outs, which which could happen against this Navy defense, the Hounds will come a calling when when that happens. And and I, I just my reality is this: I, I people can say what they want about Tommy Reese, but. He was he was and is a very creative offensive coordinator. I find it hard to believe that that Jared Parker is going to be able to match that out of the gate. It's it's a tough situation against Navy because all right, Marcus Freeman said sometimes you just can't run the ball if a team decides they don't want you to because they're just bringing way more than you can possibly block in the running game. But you think of Notre Dame Navy and every time they've killed them and Notre Dame just blows them off the ball with giant rushing lanes for people. But that's not what they're going to be presented. They have to hit the deep field deep downfield throws and Pete kind of reminded me last time we were on I mean they did for a full half yeah it's not like maybe started blitzing in the third quarter they were doing it in the first half Notre Dame just beat it um they should beat it more this time obviously yeah and it's I I can't remember how Freeman phrased it today but basically it's like the question was something along the lines of like what gives you confidence Hartman will be able to handle it better than you know left unsaid drew pine did last year and it's like he's seen it already like he's he's like the ain't my first rodeo thing that freeman said like i don't believe i i can't even imagine this that i would come away from this game on saturday and think like wow sam hartman really kind of shrunk for the moment like that's happening um whereas i think drew pine like got a little bit gun shy uh last year and you know maybe some of that had to do with the staff about like no we're running the ball here do not throw it like maybe they took that away from pine a little bit too early i don't know but um i think that the cover zero blitz package while is interesting to write about i think notre dame should be in a position to to pretty much torch it yeah and i you know it's not like the 50 yard throw right down the middle of the field necessarily but you know the the deep out to the to the sideline, uh, you know, back shoulder throws to the sideline kind of thing will work. Navy's vulnerable against the deep ball. They were last year, and Hartman's the guy that it's Hartman is going to look if they want to if they want to blitz. Hartman will get the football to Chris Tyree. He'll get the football to Jeff Brown Payne, Audric Estime, the other running backs, Matt Salerno, whoever. So you know, I don't think this is going to unfold like it did last year in the second half. And yeah, Drew Pine was, he got gun shy. Sam Hartman is not going to be gun shy. Nothing's ever unfolded like that did in the second half. That was the weirdest thing that's ever happened. (laughs) They were just killing them and then completely stopped getting a yard. Yeah. It was amazing. And, you know, I mean, you, you have to fault the offensive line and the, you know, the, the pass blocking of the running backs. But ultimately, that's a quarterback having to make great decisions. And to be fair to Drew Pine, he wasn't in a position to make a whole bunch of great decisions. Sam Hartman definitely is. We'll be back. Segment two, burning up the boards. Join Irish Illustrated at our official pub, The Bar at St. Stephen's Green, in supporting Our Lady's Children's Hospital in Dublin with a financial contribution of your choice. Your donation will enter you into a raffle to win some great prizes, which includes an Irish Illustrated flag that will fly outside the pub, a Joe Montana signed Guinness football, a print of the Air League's college football classic, and more. 
The raffle will be drawn on Sunday, August 27th, and winners need not be present. Just go to the Irish Illustrated message board or Facebook page to learn how to donate. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit Aerlingus.com to book today. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit GameDayYourWay.com. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Irish Boy One. We hear about the physicality that Marcus Freeman wants from his team. Is that different than what Brian Kelly wanted in the past? No, I don't, I don't think so. But I I mean, of course, Brian Kelly wanted his teams to be physical. I think Marcus Freeman is more apt to be physical. We've said that on many occasions. Um, you know, the conversation that we had with him today he talked about, you know, striking the balance between the two. And it appears that they did that because we know they had a physical camp and they came out of it very, very healthy. Now, I think that's the blueprint, Tim, you said on the instant analysis. That is the blueprint, but you're not always going to be that fortunate. Yeah, you need good fortune to be this healthy in camp. This is this is unique. It's great timing that it coincides with some new approach they have. Um you're just gonna have look. We we watched Aiden Gobira get hurt. That was the flukiest thing you're gonna see. He came through the line. He wasn't gonna hit the quarterback. The quarterback's wearing red. They weren't going tackle yet. They were thudding. He jumped up, pulled up, and he tore his ACL. That's that has nothing to do with how the camp has gone. And that's just gonna happen in the future, is all I'm saying. But I think it's this is as, this is as healthy as they get. This is as fresh as they can look. Yeah, it's. Uh, I talked to Cam Hart last week, and you know he he talked about how this. Felt like much more of an NFL style camp. Not that he had like, and I, I believe he said he at least had a passing conversation with Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, just sort of about like what's different um, at the next level. And like, they, they don't grind you um, there. And Cam Hart had a hamstring going into Ohio state and he feels like as good as he's felt in a long time right now. I mean, all, all that starts to go downhill on Saturday when they, you play your first game, but um, you know, you think back of just camp last year, the heart hamstring injury, Jared Patterson with like the foot issue, like those were, those are more, more usage injuries than they are the Gobira, Gobira freak, yeah. uh, ACL tear, or, you know, somebody breaks a bone. Um, so to, to go through camp and not have any of those, um, is, is impressive. And then, you know, we'll sort of see if the how long that can hold up if their recovery during the season is as impressive as their management load management during camp. Yeah. When you've been a head coach, as long as Kelly, you you've seen, you've gone through so many camps, you know, that there are going to be, you're going to have to pull back because it's a long season and you see injuries occur. I, I think Brian Kelly wanted to be physical, but his, his background and his experience 
told him that there were times to pull back. Marcus Freeman, I think, is just learning that there are times to pull back. And they look good. They were fortunate. This was a very fortunate preseason. I'm sure they handled it properly. But when when the injuries are that limited, you just had good fortune. Brian Kelly's 2017, 2018, and 2020 teams were exceptionally physical football teams. Very, very differentiator physically, as opposed to other top 10 teams in the country that had better talent um, at certain positions like quarterback and wide receiver, where you needed to have better talent to beat those teams. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the champions, not not teams ranked number four, five, and six like Notre Dame. I, I do think this will be a physical team. Um, I just it it's it's so interesting to me to see that this defensive line could be better than last year's defensive line when we had that. I mean, because they had so many veterans and Foskey coming back, and it just it was just solid and every day fine, right? It was it was yeah. it was solid well, and every, it was good. It was they're they're bigger on the, they're bigger on the interior this yeah. year. They got Marshall beat them up on the ground. Ohio right. State beat them up on the ground in the second half. And they've changed some things. I, Tim, I'm going to skip from insane ND yeah. Tucson because it, 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 he asked, we picked your, we picked your question, Tucson, but uh, you asked about the injuries. And then it, finally you said, do you see this as the standard to start the season in the future? I think it's the blueprint right. to start the f- season in the future, but I doubt that you can, you can duplicate that too often. So I'm going to go up to uh, Statman. And his question is, have your various sources given you any idea what Pat Coogan and Rocco Spindler did to win the starting jobs over Billy Schroth and Andrew Kristoffick? Have Coogan and Spindler been playing better than expected or have Schroth or has Schroth been playing worse than anticipated? Schroth and Kristoffick, I, I think I missed putting that name in there. I think Freeman said it today that Coogan and Spindler and Schroth were all very physical, but the other two were more consistent. That's definitely what you want heading into the opener it's such a unique situation because this counts for the, the wide receivers the offensive line most positions out there we don't know till the end of game three man this is a strange year because Na- i know navy's a capable team but it's just it's a one-off in terms of how you approach it offensively and defensively yeah i think that cougar coogan and spindler went out because they were physical, but they were physical to the right people at the right time in the right way. Um, whereas I think Shrouth, it'd be a weird comparison, but I wonder if Shrouth and Jalen Seed are just like young players who are sort of like just ready to go out there and hit somebody, which is not always the right move all the time. Um, and that's okay. There, It's very rare for true sophomores to break into the lineup. Um, I think we all have sort of this contorted idea of uh, young players playing on the offensive line because of Joe Alt and uh, Blake Fisher. But those guys are major, major exceptions. Really what Spindler is doing is more the rule. You're, and Kuga is doing is a rule. Your third year, that's when they know what they have. So it's like a year from now, could Coogan replace slide inside and replace Zeke Corral and Shrouth moves in the starting lineup? Sure. Um, that's 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 a way that you if you're wondering like well how does Charlotte get on the field that there's still ample ways for him to get there. Yeah, you know I think it came down Joe Rudolph being the head the uh, the offensive line coach. I, I I certainly think that Rocco Spindler got a clean slate with the change at the the, uh, the offensive line coach. And you're right. I mean it is, you know, it it we have to remind ourselves that Alton Fisher are the exception to the rule, and it, it has always been. 
by the third year, you're ready to start as an offensive lineman and you're a three-year starter going through your fifth year. And so, um, you know, I think, I think. And there was farther away from the field than a lot of those. Yeah, other guys that, that one's, that, that one's that's one way of looking at it. Me. And, and, and again, I still think there's going to be a degree of inconsistency there. And I just, I don't think Shrouth is, I don't think he's strong enough in the lower half yet. And that's because he's a redshirt freshman, you know, that it, it just, it's going to take a little time. I wouldn't be surprised if Shrouth, uh, you know, did see some action this year. Uh, I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily a timeshare with anyone, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if he eventually emerged. From any Davis, how important will time of possession be versus Navy with the new clock rules? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I wrote a, a short commentary on this and I believe it was last week's Thursday thoughts. Maybe the, maybe the one before, you know, I've talked to uh, NCAA officials. They are anticipating a reduction of about two snaps per quarter. But you know, you're playing Navy, so I mean, it's a it's yes, more, that, more against them. It, yes, it's uh, that is all exaggerated a little bit more if you can't get the football away from them, and then you and you do have some three and out. So it's a bit of a concern, but you still have to just play your game. You got to throw the ball downfield with, with with Sam Hartman, um, but it's a bit of a concern. You can't. And Marcus Freeman said today, you can't have three and outs. Everybody in the world that's watched triple option knows that you can't have that. If you if you lose time of possession substantially, you're in trouble. Yeah, because last year's game they had a ton of three and outs. I think they finished with like net two yards in the second I half. Got, I got it in front of me right here. I wish I could give you the visual. I, I put this on Twitter last year during the game to illustrate it, but. I have three categories for every game, four categories for every game, but these are the ones that matter. Touchdown drives, three and out drives, other, okay? First half, touchdown drive, four minutes, 24 seconds, 30-yard pass. Touchdown drive, two minutes, 42 seconds, 38-yard pass. Four minutes and 52 seconds, 10 plays, 83 yards. That's what you like against Navy, right? Five-yard pass to Chris Tyree. Drew Pine, 11-yard rush for a touchdown. I don't even remember that. And one minute, 18 seconds. And Jaden Thomas, seven-second drive for a touchdown, 37-yard pass. Second half, three snaps minus six punt. Three snaps, four interception. Three snaps, six punt. Three snaps, one punt. Six snaps, negative one punt. Hey, they got a first down there, though. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. But still ended up going backwards. <laughs> yes. That is insane. That is like the same football game. Never took your eye off the clock the entire second half because the damn clock could not run fast enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that's counter to the entire question here. Like there's, there are too many snaps in that game. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a concern. So don't, don't punt. Yeah, no, don't punt. No, Notre Dame does punt. not often punt and do well against Navy. Last year was the exception, and they kind of escaped to do and, so. And play great defense, and that's and that's what we're expecting. It, look, it's a veteran. Hey, here's another key, and Tim, you bring it up all the time, and I always forget it. J.D. Bertrand is playing in this game. Yes. That is yep. hugely significant against Navy. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that, everything fell apart at the seams when J.D. Bertrand didn't play last year. They had to move Jack Kaiser out of his special position. Just because J.D. Bertrand wasn't playing middle linebacker. That's ridiculous. If you think yeah, they about tried that. to start a true freshman who's now defensive end at middle linebacker. Because the I sophomore he, couldn't do it. I think he played eight snaps in the game. Like, they they, they pulled the plug on that one quickly with Tui Halamaka. Because it was 
was kind of an unfair ask for a guy, but like they didn't have any other options at that point. Well, didn't he weird... only have half a week too? Because it was a Prince Collie originally. Yeah. It was, it was in some ways I was as surprised that they played as well in the first half, not as surprised as how poorly they played in the second half, but the fact that they played well offensive or defensively in the first half was actually kind of impressive to me. Yeah. We can look for Jack Kaiser playing a safety type role in a four, four, three look. Uh, I bet it runs a lot more efficiently with, <laughs> with, those, with those guys, you know um, I mean, Kaiser, Kaiser has a safety background anyway, and he's brilliant. So I'm sure that that he's got that down, even though he hasn't exactly been able to to incorporate it in a game yet. We have a question from Jim Booney CRS. This is for you, O'Malley, because you're the odds man. Okay. What odds would you give Jaden Greathouse to lead the Irish in receiving yards and receptions? I don't think he will do that. Um, the one reason you don't go crazy against this is not often you want to say someone's going to lead him in receiving yards that doesn't lead him in receptions or vice versa. In other words, there's no number one. I mean, Jaden Thomas is the number one receiver, but Jaden Thomas is not. Holy cow. Jaden Thomas has arrived and he's the number one receiver with 80 catches that that doesn't exist on this team. I think great house ends up quality fourth because I think Chris Tyree will be in there. And I still believe Tobias Merriweather will catch 40 passes. This year, I think I think Tobias Merriweather is going to have a fine year as the season progresses. Um, I wouldn't go too heavily against Great House because if <laughs> Sam Hartman gets a favorite, that dude's going to keep getting open, right? It definitely was in the spring game. Yeah, but as you so, pointed out, Pete, it could have been somebody else in the spring game had he been playing that spot. You know, it, yeah. If if you just flip Flores and Great House, I'm not sure that Flores would have had like I don't think he would have had two catches for 20 yards. Like he probably would have had eight yeah. or 87 or something. So it's. <laughs> I, I think Greyhouse, you know, what would you say? Plus 400 O'Malley? Like, what's yeah, the I think what kind it, of odds uh, are we? I would only say he won't lead them in receiving yards would be a would be a stretch for me. I think he will be the fourth receiver, though. I do, too. But if you said Jaden Greyhouse finishes second in catches, you'd be like, oh, wow, he had a great year. But you wouldn't be you wouldn't fall down. It's no, not that impossible. Number one, I would be I would be floored. Me, too. I'm going to say number three. Uh, he'll be he'll number he'll be number three and Thomas and Tyree maybe not maybe not in that order I just be I mean I just think that Tyree is going to be that that escape clause for Hartman and 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 Tyree is Tyree will be difficult to defend in 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 the underneath route so I, I'd say I'd put Great House as high as third actually maybe See everything. We're basing this upon the blue goal game because he caught some. <laughs> He's. He, we should not do that. That's for no, sure. I, I, no. I think. I think he'll be third. I'll say Thomas Tyree and Gra- I didn't get a chance to answer that question last Friday with you guys. Oh so, right. Thomas, I can't Thomas, wait to see how people on your message board react to this answer, Priester, based on who you left out of your uh, your receiver rundown here. Who did I leave out? If Great House jumps Merriweather. <laughs> Great. Greathouse is going to have more receptions than Merriweather. Merriweather might have more yardage. He should okay. have more yardage, but receptions, Greathouse. This great. has a little bit of a West Coast beer bet going on here at this point, I think. Right. Right? <laughs> we have to think about this on the flight over. Yeah. Uh-oh. We may have to we may have to make this an official bet somewhere in the podcast on Friday that leads somebody, to uh somebody say beer bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead to Irish fan 102. I don't think we've had the annual bet for a beer in California between no. Samson. 
hoping to hear that either today or Friday. Well, you'll Correct. hear it Friday now for sure because we're we're getting yeah. close to it. I think I have to. I'm going to ponder this a little bit, but I, this it's a it's a fun one to bet because it's not just like the one tackle for loss the entire season kind of bet that we've that had was, in the past. That was super fun. We're just not supposed to talk about it because okay. I feel badly for people. But you guys um, can't let me forget this. Then Friday, I'm gonna. Yes, so I will write this out. Actually, we're gonna we're gonna come up with something we're on the different side of because I think Pete and I might be on the same side of Merriweather having more catches. Um, but let's use Merriweather's touchdowns over under, and also who will have more catches, the top four in catches or something like that. I bet we can mm. find different differences of opinion there. I think so. You'll answer that Friday, then you're yes. saying. Okay, sounds good. Question from Shamrock, Florida, FL. If you could choose one unproven player to have a breakout year for the Irish with the goal of turning this team into a true title contender, who would it be? And then I put some parameters on it. Name an offensive player, a defensive player, and then choose between those two. My offensive player is Merriweather. Yeah, mine too. Mine three. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, does Riley Mills count as my defensive player? He does, right? Not It, it can count for you, but it can't count for me. No, that's true. He's pretty... <laughs> <laughs> He's proven the undying love of Pete. So there's no, I will go Riley Mills and Tobias Merriweather, although that's boring. So you guys can go with other people. Uh, Tobias Merriweather is, yeah, by far and away my number one. Uh, defensively, well, I said that they're basically a pass rusher away from maybe a complete defense. So I, I guess it's Batello. Um, I mean, if if you said. Whether it's Patella, Nutello, or Tui Halamaka, or even Burnham, like it, it doesn't matter. But if you just had, if one of those guys had a breakout season, that would change how I would view Notre Dame's defense overall. Yeah, I can't say much different than that. It doesn't have to be Patello, it can be Jean Baptiste. It doesn't matter. I think you're, you know, you'd like yeah. to have a guy leading the team with yeah. eight or nine sacks, and your number two guy has six or seven, whatever. I don't like putting numbers on those kind of things. But in picking between an offensive and defensive guy, I'm because we are so high on the defense now. In picking between the one guy on offense and the one guy on defense, I'm taking Mer. I think Merriweather is the most important. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't, it makes you I mean, defend a, a completely different part of the field. Yeah, that's a guy averaging 19. You know, if he arrives, he's averaging 19.8 per reception with Hartman. Oh yeah. So you one. don't like to put numbers on it, but we're going to put this number on it. Over eight, it yes. Over eighteen yards per catch, over eight touchdowns, nine hundred yards. That's eight hundred and fifty yards. That's arrived, right? The only over I'd go on that is the yards per reception. I wouldn't. No, I'm eight, not saying he's going. I'm not saying uh, take the over under. I'm saying that means he's arrived. Eight touchdowns. Oh, absolutely. Fifty yards. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he he came through. If that, yeah, absolutely. I don't. I I'm not expecting that because again, I think. If he's not open, Hartman's going to throw it somebody else. And he's having a hard time getting open from what we could see. Am I wrong? Tell no, me I'm wrong. No, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong on that I'd one. Happy, I'd be happy to be wrong, but I don't, you know. I, so, yeah, Merriweather, big year, need it. Can't up, Chuck, <laughs> following up on that. If you could have one. few times before I got that right. Can't up, Chuck. Go Can't for up it. Chuck. If you could have one commitment in the class of 24 be on the current team and contribute now, who would it be and why? For the first time ever, no one's going to say a quarterback. That's kind of cool. Yeah, Pete, I, I, I'm i going to let you go first on this one, please. Um, It's 
sort of went back and forth on this because I'm in a, I, I sort of wanted to rewrite the question, be like, can we can we get Keon Keeley just to, to <laughs> show up? Um, but I I don't think that works. Um, you know, I you need one. I mean, I guess I'll throw Cam Williams in there because yeah. like they need he's the highest rated receiver in the class. I think he will be very good at Notre Dame. Um, I think he's somebody who is mentally put together to to contribute early at Notre Dame as well. Um, you know, Logan Thomas obviously would be up for discussion as well, but I, I'm not sure that he's giving you something a whole lot different than what Tui Halmacher, uh, Josh Burnham are giving you. Uh, wow. Logan, Logan Thomas got off to a great start. He's going to have to add some pounds, but he sure looked good. I, you know, I, the first guy I thought of was no, the second guy I thought of was Cam Williams. The first guy I thought of was a guy that was on the roster in the spring when it started. And that was Caleb Smith from Virginia tech. Imagine mm-hmm. if, imagine if Caleb Smith, the, the player that we perceived had stayed on this team, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't be looking at De- well, Deion Coles. He's a number two boundary wide out. You wouldn't have that issue. The player we perceived before he arrived on campus though, right? Yeah, well, he did not yeah, have a good, he, he did, did not have no, any good moments see, that were. No, yeah, we didn't see right. we didn't see any good moments in the spring. The player that that we all watched film of at Virginia Tech and said, "Hell yeah, boundary receiver, put him out there with Jaden Thomas." Now you've got a one one two punch. That was a guy that was actually on the roster, so that's why I say the second guy I thought of was Cam Williams. Yeah, it's get for me. It's Cam Williams too because they don't need Aeneas Williams right now with the way the running back room is working. It was CJ Carr who just forced a transfer. So I think it's the only way to go. And yeah, Pete, great point. Logan, I want Logan Thomas in two years on this team. Wow. Did you see Sophomore year Logan he... Thomas on this team as opposed to the true freshman? Yeah, he doesn't a... look like he's 6'3", the way he's listed on 24-7. Yeah, he looks good. He looked he looked really good. Uh, shout out to Kevin Sinclair and the work he's doing. on uh, he, what The work he did on Friday night, and I know he'll continue to do during the season. The guy's relentless, man. I'm, I'm glad he's on our team. Question from Irish fan 102. I don't think we have had the end. Oh, I read that already. Uh, this was from last week, and you guys skipped it because I wasn't there. They call me Mikas. What's the best story each of you have ever written? Hmm. I don't. There, I mean, there's been a couple of ones that I've really enjoyed doing. Um Two since I've been at the athletic that I would point out would be I did like an oral history on when 90. the week between when Notre Dame moved to number one after beating Wake Forest and when they went to USC. And I, I must have talked to like 16 guys for it. Um, and it was just really fun to sort of relive that with some distance where guys were a little bit more open about what it was actually like. Um, that was fun. Uh, and then there was a, an active Navy SEAL who almost walked out of the Notre football team in 2019 named Brian Duffy and did a profile of him. That was a lot of fun to do as well. So um, those two come to mind for me. Priester, you have one? In 41 years? Per, per decade? That's what I was going to say, <laughs> per decade? No, I want you to go. No, I want you to go. <laughs> um, I think uh, back in the magazine days, probably the first profile of Manti Teo going into his sophomore year um, was my favorite. That included a lot of stuff that was fun from the Calabrese family. Uh, my favorite nickname forever from that 
is uh, they used to call Carlo hit and run when he was a little kid because he would just run into things, smash into them and keep going. I thought it was one of the greatest nicknames for a future linebacker ever. Uh, so what, some of those when you can dive into a little more. And I think the magazine era or the magazine world kind of kind of pulls those in a little bit. It was on the page for more than a day and a half. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure where to <laughs> You know, I'd like to think that my column, my, my column every work every week is some of my best stuff in in analyzing what happened and then putting everything in perspective. Like in terms of features, well, I interviewed Chris Zorich about coming home from the Orange Bowl mm-hmm. and and finding that and finding his mother in there in his childhood home had passed, and just the emotions that he dealt with coming out of the football season. And finding his mother, which I did, I experienced that myself, which is a, which is an interesting thing to experience in your life. Um, that, some of the features that come to mind, Chase Claypool, when he left, uh, or in December, uh, in talking to a lot of people and just the situation and the conditions that he grew up in, uh, I think a lot of the problems that he's having with in the NFL stem from a lot of that. Um, did a story on Matt Farrell and basketball. What a great story that was, and that whole family and their involvement in his career. A couple of years ago, I did I did one on Bryant Young, who is just a prince of a human being. And part of that was part of the story was the the death of his son, uh, who had cancer, which of course was was horrible. I did a I did a long career feature on Tom Clements a few years ago. So some of the long Pete, you you've done such great long form work we don't do as much of that uh but but ultimately those are some of the more rewarding and and gratifying stories because you did you know you dig in deep to to a player's life and you talk to so many people doing it but i would you know i'd like to think that my editorials that that's that's where i make my money with those uh being able to put games and situations into perspective tail the tape but only when they win Tail of the tape is uh is love those. interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting I like tail of the tape when they play Marshall. That's more fun. <laughs> I, I, I like no, I'm serious. I mean, I have X things to say when they play Marshall or Texas Longhorns or something, yeah. goes sideways. It's those get read. Pretty people enjoy those things. Or they hate them and they unsubscribe. That kind of stuff happens every once in a while too. But <laughs> there's that's not my fault for crying out loud. Root for a better team that blocks better. Jeez. All right, we're going to finish up with some fun questions here from uh, from Terry Benedict. Besides in Ireland, where else can you see Notre Dame playing overseas? I had that Rome story set to roll, uh, and then yep. I had to kill it. So Rome was the one for me. I was told to get that story ready, Tim, and be ready to publish it tomorrow, and never happened. So I'm going to stay Rome. Yeah, that's that's the one that I feel like will be next. Um, you know, and it, it was even I think when they, when they had the presser with. Rico and Swarbrick I was yeah. like kind of like how about what like what's next because <laughs> like I think that they would it would make sense for them to sort of branch outside of Dublin um and Rome would be a great great place to do that I would love that that would be awesome yeah, yeah. uh that would kind of be like kind of like fulfilling a dream on some levels I'd love to go to London Tim you just went there yeah I'd, I'd I'd love to go to London. Do you remember when? Remember when there was talk of playing a game in China? Oh gosh, yeah, that's crazy. 
Now that'll never happen again. That talk no. will never happen again. But there was some talk under Jack Swarbrick about playing a game or trying to play a game in China. That was not one that I was looking forward to under any circumstances. <laughs> um, you know, because I'm Mr. Magoo on the road as it is, let alone going to China. So London, Rome, I, Rome would be awesome. I think that would be awesome. Question from Holland's 22. What non-football related thing are you most excited about in Dublin? I think there's a perception that we're going on. I was going to say, we don't have anything. Um, We have two non-football related things. And one of them is directly related to football. So (laughs) that we have a podcast Friday and we have a uh, Irish illustrated whiskey tasting Saturday, or excuse me, uh, it'd be great. Saturday, Saturday. Uh, Thursday at Slattery's. We we get in Thursday morning around 730 in the morning. I think Pete comes right after us. We're out Sunday morning. Saturday is about recovery and covering the game. So Unless we have a wonderful dinner Friday night, we don't have plans other than the podcast and the whiskey tasting. Yeah, it's going to, I think it's going to be pretty jammed 72 hours. Like I, yeah. I pretty much land, I'm going to go straight to the stadium for access there, be there all day right after. And then going to be Friday morning, I've got stuff. Pre, yep. Yeah, it's like, it's pretty much like Friday evening. I, I would hope to have a couple of relaxed pints somewhere around town. And that, that might be it. Well, there's a Notre Dame event too, right on on Thursday. I, I don't and <laughs> it abuts, I, I, it go, yeah, it goes into our uh, into our whiskey tasting. For yeah, I, like I have a column on Thursday and a long preview on Friday. So, like, I, I I'm I'm not thinking a whole lot about that kind of stuff. But there is a question from Irish Rover that we're going to wrap up with, and I will find time to do this. What is your first adult beverage of choice in Dublin? First is probably a nice pint Guinness, uh, but it may end up being because of the timing of work. It might be the whiskey tasting, which could be interesting if that's my first adult beverage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, if sure. you think about it, if we're leaving work at 530 and that thing's at seven. Hopefully you had a strong Frotera grill before you got over there. <laughs> yes. If you're going to go straight to yeah, the whiskey like Mark, Oh, that's right. Priest and I will be uh, early at the airport and there is an inter- international terminal Frontera Grill. And I don't think Priesters had that before. So there we go. No, That's my first not. adult. No, I'm, I'm all I'm all in on that. I, T- yeah, it's like Dub- Dublin. I mean, I'm doing something, I think, with Guinness on Friday. So I feel like I should rep for them and say that will be the first yeah. beverage of choice. I, I, I'll definitely have a Guinness. But uh, when in Rome, so to speak, if we're going to have a whiskey tasting, uh, that'll be that'll be interesting. But uh, Tim, the advice that has been given to us about how to deal with with jet lag, which you have just experienced in London. So Thursday is going to be a, probably the most challenging of the days for us. Yeah, I've done, I did this last time I went to Dublin. It's because when I landed, I met everybody out for drinks. So I guess I shouldn't pretend like I was doing this purposefully, but um, yeah, not to nap. I want to get our subscribers name who put this on here because I'm taking his advice from the message board. Pete, you got that though, right? Don't nap. Yeah. You got, you got to go straight through on the first day. Yeah. I got. I got to figure out the back end. That's where I feel like I get my butt kicked. <laughs> well, the next time you hear from us, it will be uh, Friday, August twenty fifth, and the plan is for us to be broadcasting from Dublin. Looking forward to it. Can't wait. My third time. Uh, this is you guys' second time, right? In in uh, Dublin for a football game. My third time, dating back to the the mid nineties. We we barely talked about Navy. That will be the 
that will be the main focus focus outside of the Irish whiskey and the Guinness on, uh, <laughs> on our podcast on Friday. So Navy comes in third. It's like the fullback, you know. It's just it's make third. sure you I pay will, attention to the fullback. I will not be drinking during the podcast. That would not uh, that would not be professional, and that won't happen Thursday. I can't make any promises. But until then, for Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider. Get ready for a spine-chilling journey through Dublin's dark past on the Ghost Bus Tour. Discover the haunting tales of Bram Stoker, the author of Dracula, and there's the two of the city's most haunted sites on this two-hour scarefest. Led by a professional actor, this tour is not for the faint-hearted. Book your tickets now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated to secure your spot.